This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of Scales and Tales. Today, we have a good buddy of mine who is uh, the mastermind behind Cooper Bates. His name is Jake Cooper. He, uh, like I said, he owns Cooper Bates, which I will leave a link in the description. And uh, I, I do, I do a, a decent job at introducing people, but I realize that I, I make two people's horns more than they want. So I'll let Jake introduce himself, and then we'll uh, kind of get the ball rolling on conversation. Hey, well, uh, thanks for having me on, Adrian. Uh, like you said, uh, I'm Jake Cooper. I run Cooper Bates. Been doing it for quite a while now, actually. I think this is year five doing it seriously. Uh, make all types of swim baits, slide baits, swimmers, uh, wakes, getting into smaller stuff recently. But yes, yeah, love bass fishing, man. Yeah, I was about to say, you said you've been doing this for five years now, so 2018? Uh, 2017 is when I started doing it seriously. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, Jake, you 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 mold these. Well, you carve the master. You mold these baits, and you do the painting. Like you, you do everything, right? Yeah, I do everything here, just in the in my in my garage. Right. Uh, now, did you have any prior experience to like painting or making molds or anything, or even carving for that instance, or did you just kind of start one day and kind of? get here no i started playing around making baits in 2013 which is actually when i started swim baiting oh okay. and i'd always seen my dad he he builds custom rods doesn't sell any but just kind of builds them for, for us and i always wanted to do something like that and we started swim bait fishing and i was like well these baits are really expensive i can do this cheap right you know i can make them so I was wrong. It's way more expensive to do it this way. <laughs> but yeah, I tinkered around for three or four years till I came up with the bait that I really liked, which is the two inch shad. And then 2017 started selling those. And I will admit that the first run was a little rough. But <laughs> but we've gotten that dialed in now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um so like I said, you now the painting aspect, like I, I I really enjoy your painting for the people who don't know. Like I said, take, take a look at his Instagram. What, 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 what is the Instagram? Uh, Cooper Bates underscore swim bait. Okay. That's what I thought. But uh, his paint jobs, like the gill and stuff, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I've always enjoyed them from, from when, when I first knew you and uh, kind of met you. I'm like, damn, like yeah. these, these bluegill colors are just different than just the normal, uh, normal bluegill baits you got. So Kind of when you first started making these baits, twenty seventeen, did you start off painting them, or did you fish them blanks? Did you send them away? How how did you get about the painting? Yeah, I started off. Uh, I think where everyone does with like a couple of rattle cans and some uh, you know some rust oleum clear coat, thinking that you know I'm doing something good. Right. And uh, it just went from there. You know, I bought a, a Harbor Freight airbrush, started there, learned how to airbrush, and then just gradually stepped up and taught myself how to do it 
So you've been doing it, like you said, for five years now. Uh, how many how many different baits do you make? You make four or five? Uh, five now. I just released five, the, yeah, the little five. G last month. So. so you probably have, for anybody who uh, doesn't know Jake, you are an engineer, right? Yeah, mechanical engineer. Yeah, so, so you kind of, uh, you have a process, I'm sure, more than what others do. Like, you probably have an assembly line going, like, this week you're, you're, uh, you're making the molds, you're pouring the base. This week you're putting it on all the hardware, installing. This week you're painting them and everything, I'm assuming. Yeah, I've got it down to a process for each of the baits and how I like to do it. I can you, you run through them in a week or two and figure out, you know, I figured out, you know, how I like to do it. Uh, yeah, you know, as being an engineer is going to help me, you know, cut yeah, corners. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're pretty anal about like, like your hardware and everything, like making sure, uh, making yes. sure everything lines up good and stuff. Uh, probably a little too anal about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have like your hook hangers and stuff? Do those sit in your molds, or do you install those for every single bait by hand? The majority of them uh, go into the bolt. Oh, okay. So when okay. I carve my master, I put my hook hangers, and my joint connections, all that into the master with a rough oh. idea of where the everything's going to be set. And then just oh. mold around those. Because I know, I know that's how everybody molds their baits, and I wasn't sure if that... Well, think about it. I wasn't sure if that was consistent enough, but that's probably the most consistent way of doing it rather than... Yeah, I think it is. Every single time. Yeah. I've got a couple where I put the uh, the line tie in by hand. But... Okay. So uh, but yeah. so since since you have all these baits like dialed and everything, um when you when you first finish your master, you swim the master, right? Make sure it swims good. Uh sometimes. Sometimes uh, and then from there are you usually lucky enough if you swim the master? You tweak it, swims it how you, or it swims how you want. Are you lucky enough to make that mold, pour those baits, be able to paint those baits, swim a few of them out of the batch, and they're all like they all swim how you want, or do you have to tweak them still after that process? Uh, so like my process when I make a new bait is I'll make my master, and sometimes I don't know where to put the joint at, so I'll just make it one piece, and then I'll make a mold. And then from there, I can make, you know, 10 different ones, put the joint all in different places, put my weight in different places, and really figure out what I want the bait to look like. And then from there, I can make new molds. And then that's using my prototype batch, because I'll make a, a prototype set of molds. And those will get painted up and sent out to, you know, the guys that I trust. Right. Give me good feedback. Yeah. And I'll spend about um, a year with those baits. Oh, really jeez. Yeah, I don't like to rush it <laughs> yeah yeah i don't blame you i mean there's uh there, there's people on forums and sites right now uh i carved this bait last week and threw some paint on it uh i'm molding it right now is anyone who want to test it like um yeah i, know, you I do know a lot of that in the winter yeah yeah <laughs> As i was say i know uh a few engineers there was a guy who came up yesterday on universe and he's like i've been making this bait for three years uh and it'll be I don't know if it was for sale or what, but I was like, holy piss. Like, there's there's a small group of you guys who actually will make a bait, will fish it, will send it away to the people that you guys trust to fish these baits to give you honest feedback. 
And uh, I honestly think there's more people who don't do that than there are people that do do that. And that's kind of that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think there's a lot of baits that get kind of rushed to the market. Yeah, that's yeah. People people see money signs. Yeah, and uh, I think they flock to it, even even if uh, their bait might not make them the money signs. <laughs> they they have an <laughs> idea in their head that they think it's going to. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's a grind trying to make money doing this. Oh yeah, I I understand. Um, I see some of these baits that are you know really expensive and you know hundred eighty yeah, bucks. Yeah. I can't bring myself to charge that for yeah exactly a resin bait. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's something else. Like, see, like the Hinkles for two hundred bucks, and I mean, I oh, can yeah. I can understand that because it is an eleven inch bait, and he did carve that master. But uh, I mean, two hundred bucks nowadays is cheap though for the Hinkle. Yeah, exactly. That's if you get on his drop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of circling back around to like the actual bait making part. When when you started Cooper Baits and you started making these baits, um. Did you have an idea like, hey, uh, these I, I want a glide bait that does this. Uh, I want it to swim like this. I want it to sink at this rate. I want to have this paint scheme. And is that kind of what led you to making your glide baits or your swimmers or your top water or wake baits? Like, was yeah. there a driving point for your local fish to do this? Uh, most of it was, most of the driving force was I don't have a bait in my arsenal that does XYZ. Yeah, Let me make yeah. something that, that does it. So like the two end shad, for instance, it's the one I worked I've worked on since I think I started it in like 2014 or 15. Uh I wanted something that was a swimmer that gave me that nice little, you know, tight S retrieve, but I could also step it out and make it glide, which is what that yeah. bait does. And it took me a long time to figure out how to do that. But it's become you know the best producing bait that I've ever Right. Yeah. And as um, far as like, like paint colors go, I just you know do what I can. <laughs> I'm not the greatest yeah, exactly. in the world. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, uh, some of my some of the paint jobs out there, I don't think it's the uh, craziest thing to slap some paint on it and call it a bluegill pattern or anything. <laughs> yeah, the fish don't care um, that much. Yeah. So your minor glide is uh, it, it's it's one of my honestly. It's a really good bait. I really like mine, and unfortunately, um, I don't fish it as much as I should because it's it's like everything. It's everything I want in a glide bait. Like I fished it two summers ago, and like the dead of summer, and I was able to rip that thing, and it would shoot back and forth, super erratic. And uh, I I don't know. Like I I caught uh, caught like four or five fish on it one day, lost a pike on it. And that pike was so close to snapping my line. I was like, I'm, I'm going to put this away. I'm going to take it off. I'm not going to fish it the rest of the day. And then kind of, um, I started getting to some other baits and then I, I took a break from fishing and I actually grabbed it today. I went fishing today for some pike and I grabbed it and I was like, if I can catch one on this soft bait, I'm going to tie this, uh, I'm going to tie this glide bait on because I know that it's like exactly like a jerk bait. And I know I can catch a pike on it right now. <laughs> Yeah, that bait, uh, it came around. It was actually supposed to be a four-piece originally. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And I couldn't make it swim. I, it just never worked. And so I sat, sat on it for like two years, 
And then one day I just said, you know, what if it was a two-piece glide? I said, you know, I've always wanted a floating glide. Because uh-huh. I, I love fish and play downs. One of my favorite things to do. And with the majority of glides, I don't really want to throw a $150 glide bait out there that slow sinks and snag it on a limb. Right, yeah. You know, I, I might lose the bait. Probably won't. I can, you know, motor the boat over, but I'm going to freak out whenever fish was in that tree. Yeah. And so if I come up with something that floats, then I could really work it through there, worm it through, and hopefully catch whatever's in there. Like, like a wake bait could. Yeah. But with that, that glide, you know, side to side. Um, and so just, you know, worked on it for a long time and got it right. So is that one of those baits that you uh, you molded and then you just you just started cutting it up and then your your four piece swimmer wasn't working you're out you're like yeah you know what, screw this like I'm gonna try to make it a glide bait make it a single yeah. joint and uh, is is that how that came ended up coming around that's yeah that's 100 how it came up I had a one piece mold and I I phased it out and I kept it but I made that four piece mold and was you know working out of that for about a year uh huh. And then just, you know, sat on it for a while and went back to that one piece mold and, you know, just poured one and cut it in half. And, you know, after I think 10 or 15 tries, I finally got one that kind of worked. I was like, okay, this is feasible. This will, you know, this might work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just kept going down that path, making it better and better. Um, is I'm sure it was probably a pretty nice feeling, like, you like you, you threw in the towel for the four piece and you're like, well, I'll, I'll make it, try to make it a glide bait. Um, how long did it take with you messing with that until you're like, holy crap. Like I've been doing this wrong for the last year and a half. Like I should have just kept it as just uh, a glide bait instead of a wake bait or a swimmer. It probably took about a month to figure out that it could glide. Oh, man. And then, yeah. Then I made, you know, 10 or 15, sent them out to people to try and I fished it for about a year until I finally released it. Okay. Um, yeah. Like personally, when you come out with the bait, you you make the bait, you mold the bait, you send it out. What uh, what's kind of your I'm trying to think of the word here? Like, what's your stamp of approval? Of, like, you send these baits out, and all your guys catch fish on them, and you catch a few fish on them. Like, what what's the point in time where you're like, oh, like this is a legitimate bait that I can put out in the market, show fish catches on, and I think we'll produce for people across the country so whenever people get the bait at first there's always something you know negative that will happen. that's what i want yeah once yeah. i kind of start correcting those issues you know maybe send out you know a second batch or whatever and i start fishing it and realizing you know what it does and it's aligning with what people are telling me saying that you know this is what it does well this is where it sells uh, you know these are the kinds of fish you expect on it and i start seeing that as well that's when I know that the bait's pretty much ready to go. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, now, your testers, uh, are they all across the country? Are they East Coast, West Coast, or just kind of spread out? A uh, couple up North, a couple out East. Got one or two back West. I need to get some more people okay. out in Cali. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, if if a fish in a certain regional bite, I'm I, I'm more than convinced that the rest of the fish in that regional bite too. Like it doesn't doesn't have to yeah. be every every county in California that you have to catch a fish in. Oh yeah. But like uh, like with the little G that I just came out with, 
I had a lot of guys that fished like Lake the Ozarks, uh, Table Rock, stuff like that, local to me. I had them try it because I wanted to see what, you know, they're mostly normal bass fishermen. They're not swim bait fishermen. Right. I wanted to see, you know, what they kind of thought of the bait. If it's something they could maybe see themselves, someone similar to them purchasing, maybe it's some, something to kind of bridge the gap between, uh, you know, your hardcore bass fishermen and your hardcore swim bait fishermen. Right. There's not really a whole lot in between there. It kind of crosses them over. Yeah, as I'd say, it's either kind of one or the other for sure. Yeah. When uh when you when you started, you know, you said like twenty twenty seventeen. Um, did you as a builder ever get discouraged? Like like at that point in time when the when the uh, the future of the minor glide was uncertain, um, and you were just like like why why even try with this? Like I'm. I'm beating myself over this, beating myself up over this for the last year and a half. Like, it's just not going to work. Was there ever a point in time where you're like, well, I could just be done with this and fish the baits I have? And Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a ton of those moments. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you get a little angry. You know, you toss a, toss a pair of pliers across the room and you go lay right. down and <laughs> have a sleep on it. And next day you're fine. <laughs> yeah. You I was gonna say, like, what what kind of brought you back to the drawing board? And you're like, well, maybe if I do this different, maybe if I do this different, it'll it'll be better. Or was it just the thought of I'm so close, this bait's already molded, I just have to figure out the weight and the joints, or yeah. what was it? Just the thought that you didn't want to give up on it. Yeah, being an engineer, I know that there's a way to do everything. There's some way out there to solve every problem, and you know I'm not trying to I'm not trying to send a spaceship to you know, to the moon or whatever, and yeah. trying to make some plastic swim. I should be able to do that, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of always my mindset is, this isn't, you know, the most difficult thing in the world. I, I can solve this. And it's kind of a challenge that I put myself to all the time. Right. Um, so you, your first bait was the two-inch two ad, right? Yes. And then what, what, where did you go from there? Did you go the tombstone or was it the minor glide after that? Uh, it was the tombstone after that. Okay. And that's a bait that I sat on for a long time because I didn't know if it would be well received being as big uh-huh. as it is. And uh, it hasn't sold you know tremendously well until this year. Uh, the guys in Australia started picking up on Oh, and uh, lures worldwide. I don't know if you've ever talked to him, but he had a uh, a one meter cod on it, Murray cod on it. Holy back goodness. in January, and so we kind of struck up a partnership. That he's distributing baits now in Australia for me. It's like Dude, a little tackle awesome. out there. Yeah, and so I've got his second batch almost done, ready to go. So the guys in Australia are loving that bait freaking sweet now murray cod that's the big white and black striped like sheep's head fish right it's just huge yeah they're massive <laughs> yeah that's what I thought. now the uh that bait it, it's a wake bait right the tombstone is a wake bait or is it a crank down it's a swimmer yeah it's oh, a three piece. Oh, yeah so, there, so yeah crank down swimmer um damn that is crazy so like so, so this is like their hype baits over there. Like they're they're buying these to catch these cod, right? Yeah. 
I think they kind of used like you know big bucktail stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, right. Giant crankbaits for a long time, and then they started realizing the the swimbait makers in America do a pretty good job. So they're huh. buying some of that bigger stuff. Those cod over there. Um. Now, your stuff comes with like the VMC hooks and everything. Do they do they ask you to switch up that hardware at all, or do you know as far as what you've been told? Do they switch up that hardware, or do they just send it with those hooks and everything? I don't know what they use. I assume they change them out. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think I would go after a fifty-pound fish with a <laughs> right. <laughs> but because, you know, uh, it's all fine like stuff I, for bass. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until you're until you're fighting a bass that's ten times more than what you're fishing for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, because I know guys. Well, I guess kind of you, like you said, uh, how your baits have the hook hangers and everything already in the mold and they're molded to the bait that personally if i was to fish for a 50 pound murray cod that's more reassuring to me than you putting uh a half inch screw eye screw to hold these hooks in there um <laughs> so like i know i know of some bait makers who have gotten not necessarily reamed but questioned like why is there only a half inch eye hanger and i'm fishing for these 50 60 70 pound saltwater striper like uh is there something i can change and the bait makers like why would you want to change anything and they're like because i just told you i was fishing for a 50 60 pound striper and uh obviously like i'm sure if that was a flaw they would tell you and the fact that they haven't must mean that uh your system of of molding is pretty kick-ass for what what that bait's getting put through over there yeah, with the tombstone, I put the biggest hardware that I can on it. Hard, yeah. Biggest stuff I can find. Uh, it's whatever's rated as the quote unquote musty grade hardware. Uh, it's what I use for all my joint connections too. Okay. But but also for the hook hanger and line tie on uh, tombstones, I put that that bigger stuff in there just uh-huh. for you know, a little bit of extra insurance on whatever you're fishing for. Yeah. So does that fishing worldwide guy, does he just have a site or is he out of Australia? He's in Australia. Uh, and I think okay. he's releasing the web store pretty soon. So he's, he's like, uh, uh, he's like the hookup tackle of Australia pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. The other. yeah. Yeah. I think so, he's working so for something like that. Baits to this guy, whether he has a storefront, not nah, whatever, we don't know. But then those guys, those <laughs> anglers are buying them from him to yeah. go out and catch these mer- Okay, okay, that makes sense. Damn yeah. that's sweet. He sent so, me some footage last year of fish that was way bigger than a meter. Way bigger than the one he caught. Really? Rolling over on it. I mean, it was oh, massive. I don't know how big it could have been. Um, are, Is that like the videos of these guys fishing in these tiny, like, I guess, bass boats? And they're fishing in all these, like, standing timber it yes. looks like a lake, but I'm I'm assuming it's not a lake. And like you just hear like the, and then it just is that yes. like is that those, okay? That's what I thought. That's hundred percent what it is, and it's insane. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Um, yeah, he's like in a little giant boat fishing these giant fish. Like that looks right. like so much fun. Yeah. I, okay, I gotta look it up just to make sure that that's if that's the guy I'm talking about. Um, but so when these guys are catching these fish. Are all of these guys just randomly messaging on Instagram with these pictures, or is it mostly just him shooting you messages and videos and stuff? Yeah, so it's just been him so far. Okay. And then we, you know, kind of struck up that deal. 
about a month and a half ago. So it's still pretty young on everyone else having a bait out there. Yeah. But God. Or what is it? Mur- it's Murray Cod, isn't it? Yeah. M-U-R-R-A-Y. God, fishing. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. I've seen videos like this before. Yeah. That is looks, so crazy. Looks like so much. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, so did that guy just find you on Instagram or is he on like Swimbait Universe, Swimbait Underground? And he just found this bait and was like, hey, like maybe maybe this thing will catch me a 50 pound fish out of this John boat I'm fishing in. Or did he not really inform you on that whole thing? Yeah, he got a hold of me about a year and a half ago and wanted to buy a couple. And I think I sent him maybe one or two other baits too, just as like, you know, try these out. Murray yeah. God. And he put a ton of time in the bait, learned how to fish it, and it started to pay off for him. But Damn. yeah, I think even back then he had the dream of, you know, starting this tackle shop out there. Hmm. Uh as far as you know, are these are these the only uh Western baits over there? Like that uh that he's been ordering or are you are you unsure about that? No, I know he's also uh, working with uh, Lanciati and uh, Donald Sanders. Damn. Yeah, I think bullshit a little imagine, too. But I could not imagine catching a fifty-pound fish on a Lanciati gill. Yeah, those, those things aren't very big. <laughs> um, have have they fished the little G or anything out there yet, or is that kind of untapped potential as far as you know? Uh no, they haven't yet. Okay. I guess I guess it would be a bigger question on if those fish come up and hit top water or if it's if they're just around structure and stuff and you you rip the those baits by them and if that's why they bite. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I'd love to learn though. <laughs> yeah, right. Um do you see yourself uh making a bait like like you get their feedback on the baits that have success and kind of making a bait specifically for them or is that kind of more time and money and energy you want to put into it? I think there could be a market there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think there's also crossover that some swimming guys are missing with uh, musky fishing. Yeah, I would say. And that was one thing I had in mind with the tombstone was fishing for big musky with it. Right. Because I Do think it's something that. Musky? Yeah, we have one lake down here in Missouri, the chasm, uh, that I know of. I think there's two or three others around the state, but I've only ever fished uh, a Pablo Terre, the one that everyone talks about. Are they planted or are they natural? Uh, I believe they were planted a long time okay, ago. That's what I but, figured. But, you know, they took off and survived there. Yeah, so they're like, hey, we'll just keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, what was I gonna say? It was circling back to the Murray Cod situation. I think. <laughs> Damn, I just I can't believe that. That's so crazy. Yeah, when he sent me that picture, that giant. Oh my god. <laughs> is is he trying to keep it like low key out there, or like is he is he been posting it on his socials or? Yeah, he posted on social. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure if this was like kind of. Like a low key bite, he wasn't trying to blow up and just kind of get baits for him and his buddies. But 
I guess it would make sense if he's going to try to open up a storefront type deal with it. Yeah, I think it's a fish pretty similar to the muskie, you know, fish, you know, quote unquote, yeah, 10,000 yeah. casts or whatever. Oh, but, damn. I was yeah. figuring maybe it was more like a striper, but it was like a muskie. Damn. I think the big ones. Right, yeah. yeah. The big ones are hard to catch from what I've heard. Are they fishing them in all bone? Are they asking for certain colorways? Or are they painting them themselves? Uh, no. The last ones he had were gizzard and trout. Then I just painted some more trout and some bluegill and some of my uh, my Nana's gill, which is bluegill with a chartreuse bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, a little bit more wild colors. Did, uh, has he elaborated like on what kind of water they're fishing as far as like uh, like chocolate milk or anything like that? No, I've never really got into the details like that with him. Yeah, I figure, kind of thinking of Australia, I don't picture that it's a place with a lot of clear water as far as like it, like lakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So your big G and your little G, how long had you been working on those? Those are those are your wake baits, right? For anybody yes. who is not aware. How long did it take for you to make those? Like did you carve that master in hopes of making a bluegill profile glide or from the block where you just like I'm gonna make a bluegill style wake bait with this mold? Yeah, both those baits were pretty one track. It started off I wanted a bluegill wake in a, a fairly simplified shape. And that was what I made. Uh, originally, it was a, a poplar bait, a wooden bait. And then, you know, it was like, ah, the, the wood thing is a little bit too much for me getting yeah, into production. Yeah. I don't have the time or energy to, to really put into that. Right. So, yeah. started molding those. The wood bait is, uh, is cool. Um, but once you get that bait hook rashed, and it starts taking on water when you're fishing and it starts to yeah. swell up and stuff. That's when the coolness factor is kind of out the door and you're like, <laughs> ah, I wish this thing would work. <laughs> to me, that applies to all wooden baits except slammers. Except for what? Slammers? Yeah. Yeah. I don't care how waterlogged it is. I'll fish it. <laughs> I've got one that I've fished since like 2013. And it's just. Holy piss. It's been torn apart and put back together. But it's a good bait. I love it. I had one. My first, it was my second ever swim bait. Um, It was a slammer from like 2009 or something, maybe. Like it was an old, old one. Oh, and yeah. the thing was pretty much all epoxy. That thing was beat to piss. <laughs> yeah, they're good baits. Uh, yeah. So when you, uh, how how long did it take for you to realize that this poplar bait is uh, is cool, but it's definitely not something I want to spend probably, what, like six or seven hours on a single bait to make? Yeah, it took a couple months of working it and just realizing that the kind of sawdust is kicked up. It's a messy process. Uh, and then I'm far too anal to have to measure this out every single time and make sure it's perfect. And I'm going to spend, right. you know, an hour just placing holes per bait and like I can't <laughs> I know yeah, myself too well uh, that I'm gonna waste too much time worrying about things that don't matter. Now did you 
did you take the quote unquote easy way out and use a CNC machine to get it to the basic shape or did you, were you carving everything from hand? No, I went and bought a Harbor Freight trim router, mounted it in a vise and put a three eighths round over bit on it. And that's how I was putting the round over on, on that bait. Oh man. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I didn't figure that you were like carving everyone from, not necessarily a block, but a blocked bait, but no, that, no, uh, I wasn't doing that. that. Wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was <laughs> hey, it worked. Hey, it, it worked. Yeah, exactly. As I'd say, it worked. But yeah, that's that, that's still the shape that the the big G is now. You know, we're right. molded. Um, shit, what was I gonna say? Did you catch fish on that before you started carving them, or did you just start going to town and you're like? I want this to catch fish later and I just want to have a bait first. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I caught fish on the wood one. Uh, I had a couple friends local that fished them. They loved the wood one. Right. Uh, I got one guy that still uses the wood one. <laughs> <laughs> like it swims the same as the plastic one, dude. Cause oh, but, but the wood. <laughs> It's just kind of, I'm sure it's a stigma thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what he has confidence on. Cause that's actually what I spent the most time on when I started molding was making it swim just like the wood one. Oh, okay. So they did swim different for when you first started. Yeah. It took, I don't know, 25, 30 different ones before I finally got it right. Holy crap. Now, do you mean like joint placement and sanding or do you mean like uh resin and micro balloon, uh, yeah, my resin, micro balloon, lead ratios, all of those. Working on getting those right. Yeah, okay, so kind of kind of walk through the uh so people some people probably think like you just open up this five gallon bucket of resin and pour it into your molds. Kind of walk us through your process from you have the master mold to you're cracking open the master mold and setting it on the paint rack. Yeah. Okay. So I got my mold there. Uh, resin comes in the A and B side. And the resin I use is one to one by weight. That's how you measure it out. And through my prototyping process, like I said, you know, I did 25 or 30 big G's. I know how much micro balloon, which is little, I guess it's just tiny little glass bead, best way to describe it, that weigh basically yeah, that's nothing. Definitely the best way to describe it i would think yeah they weigh absolutely nothing so they just take up density basically and through all my processes i know how much of that to add to my mixture so i'll know to add you know 70 grams of part a you know, five grams of microbones 70 grams of part b and that's my mixture and then in some baits i know how much lead to put in the mold i'll have that written down i have everything written down on sheets i don't remember any of it if I ever lose that sheet, the company's done. Uh, <laughs> but I know how much so lead to put in that mold. <laughs> and then I can pour in. And then, you know, once everything's cured, I can clean it up, start assembling. Uh, if there's any bubbles that show up in there, I use a, a Bondo putty to fill that in. And then once it's assembled, it's a lot of cleaning, paint prep. And then I can start painting and clear coating from there. Right. So 
kind of putting it in reverse for a second. You you put the weights, you put your lead weight into the mold, you said, right? Some of them, yes. Okay, because I know some builders personally who don't do that. They have a weight chamber, and they do it that way. The only problem I see with that is you can tell me that it's a, it's a slow float or it's a, uh, an extra, extra slow sink or whatever you want to say. But unless every single one of your baits does that and every single one of those baits has the same amount of lead in it, you can't say that. Like You can't say that this batch is XYZ if those baits don't have the same exact lead in them. Yeah. And uh, that's like, I think, you being an engineer, that's kind of uh, not necessarily an extra step for you. That's just you, like you said, being anal and having ev- keeping everything the same the whole way through. Yeah, from doing this for, you know, playing around with baits for nine years and doing it seriously for five, I've learned that my swimmers, you can put that lead in there, you can be off by a little bit, but it will never matter. You'll never see it in the swim, you'll never see it in the sink rate. It's the glide that needs to be right. Yeah, yeah. And so the glide, I drill it out after it poured, and uh, after everything, after the painting, after the clear coat, after all of the, the weight has been added to it, I just have a, a clear file box, I guess what you call it, full of water on my on my bench. And I have my master glide. He's the one that I determined way back when was the correct float rate. And I'll put lead in the minor glide that I'm working on. Uh-huh. Put the pin in, the hooks are hooks on it, and I'll put them both in that tank. And I'll take both, I'll take two fingers and hit them both simultaneously. Watch them go down and hope they come up at the same rate. Yeah. And so I'll add in some add and subtract weight to that chamber of the one I'm working on until it rises at the same rate as the master. If that makes sense. No, no, it does. Um, going off of that, yeah, like I said, I know some bait makers, some other bait makers personally, and uh, they they don't take that extra step of setting one aside even if it's from this batch or 15 batches ago and it was the best best sink rate or whatever rate they had um i know guys who will just make a bait or make a batch uh they make their lead uh their uh crap their lead inserts they cut it off wherever throw it in the bait yep that looks like a slow sink uh hot glue or not hot glue um super glue baking soda shave it off, put the pin in, yeah. and call it a day. The problem I found with doing it that way, when you're trying to get something, you know, super critical like a glide, uh-huh. is if your water temperature is different, that you're testing in each time, your bait's going to sink different each time. Because water density changes as temperature increases and increases. Yeah. So, I can do it, because I'm tuning it to a bait that's already made my master, I can do it in whatever temperature of water. It doesn't matter. It's going to rise the same as that bait. Um, shit, what was I going to say? Just a, just a question for you. How often do you, uh, do you empty out your test tank of water and put new water in there? <laughs> uh, not enough. <laughs> okay, because uh, the, guy, the guys I know, the guys I know and I've been to, um, 
their tank looks like chalky chalky water i guess is like the, not like not like chocolate chalky but like literally like you ground up uh black blackboard chalk and just dumped it in there and it's like oh yep there you go <laughs> yeah i was working on a prototype last week and uh my tank's a little uh algae <laughs> so it needs to be dumped that's funny <laughs> i mean what is it like a 30 30 foot walk from there to the house to put up funny. the kitchen sink yeah. How how big is your tank? Like how many gallons? Is it like a gallon, two gallons? Oh, I don't know. Maybe three. Oh, okay, okay. Because because yeah. the one that I've seen was like uh, probably like a fifteen or twenty gallon tank. So like I cut him some slack, but I'm like, he's like, yep, I haven't empty or I haven't changed this water since I started making baits. I'm like, oh my gosh, like why would you? Not? <laughs> it, it... If I'm gonna work on customer bait stuff, I'm gonna sell. I will change it out so it doesn't go yeah, through right. water. So but like you said, if you're, like if you're making the uh, the minor glide and you're doing or the uh, the big G and little G and you're doing it thirty different times and you know you have to that you're gonna have to tweak it like screw changing the water every couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so out of your whole lineup with uh, the tombstone. The two inch shad, the minor glide, the baby G, and the big G. Which one is your like? You're going out. You want to catch a fish. That's the bait you're gonna fish, no matter what. Uh, two inch shad. That's my baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've worked on it since 2015. Uh, it's caught me more fish than any bait I own. Really? Yeah. Uh, I fished in ponds. Uh, shore bang with it. Big lakes doesn't matter. It's always caught me fish. Oh, here's here's my next question. Do you have yeah. your original bait from each each bait you've made? E- original uh, first pour, I guess, is what I would say. First pour? Uh, or f- first successful <laughs> pour, so like your best big, or big G and baby G and stuff like that. Yeah, those I do have. Uh, <laughs> so if you go out my my shop and look... Uh, my uh, my workbenches are pallet racks that I got from my last job, uh-huh. and you'll see like a little G, and on the side it'll say perfect, and that's when I knew that this is the one. This is the one I'm moving forward with. Right, that's it's the one like, that you don't throw away. <laughs> yeah, I wrote the ratios on on the top and everything. It's like this one's hanging on the <laughs> hanging on the rack. Good idea. Never touching it. But on the flip side, I do have a, a giant cardboard box full of horrible baits that just never worked <laughs> that's funny i mean like yeah it's not like you can melt down the resin or anything like it's cured like you can't do yeah. anything with it except for hold on to it and maybe bullshit with it or something <laughs> yeah um, that's um, all you can do do you have your the first two or uh like your first bait that you made that you've kept yes and whether or not you fish it or not or you just kind of keep it up in the shop for like, yeah, that that's like what got me started. That's, that's why I'm still doing this. Yeah. I've got, I built two kind of simultaneously back in 2013 and I keep both of those hanging up on the, on that rack in the shop just as a, a reminder of, Hey, you started here. Right. Yeah. You're doing pretty good right now. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm assuming, uh, almost, almost 10 years ago, there's probably been quite a difference in just just your your way you do everything as far as painting, carving, oh, yeah. and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, it's it's grown a lot since then. Uh, back when I started, uh, I had a little desk in my parents' basement because I was still living at home. I was still going to college. And, uh, you know, now I own my own house. I'm married. and <laughs> Right, yeah. Got a whole big setup in the garage. So it's it's grown, and it, it's pretty cool to see. Right. Um, has there ever been a point in time where, I guess it's kind of the same question, but you're like, I, this is successful. Like, I can take a break now, or has it always been Jake going 150 miles an hour no matter what, making prototypes? Like you said, like last week, you were dicking around with a prototype. Like, is that... Is that a weekly thing or is there times where you take a break and you're just like, I just want to sit back and enjoy these five baits I've made. And I want to see people catch these Murray cod on my baits and just, (laughs) I I, I can take a break now. No, uh, I've never really thought that Uh, it's always been, how can I make these better? Yeah. Right. And I'll find little tweaks that I can make, you know, whether it's tuning or making a different mold, making it better, make a, you know, a faster way to pour the bait, whatever it is. I always try to find some way to improve. Yeah, I that's what I kind of figured. Um, is there a point in time where you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, um, I could do XYZ better on the Baby G or the Tombstone or the the Minor Glide, or are they pretty are they pretty perfect in your standards as, as far as what you wanted from that bait? Uh, all of them could be better. I mean, seriously, like there's little tweaks that I can make. Uh, except maybe the two end because I've had so much time in that. I don't know how I could improve it. Right. <laughs> but like you know, everything can always be made better. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. matter what it is. If it's you know a Rolls Royce or a Toyota, it could it could be done better. Yeah. And it's finding you know what those ways are. And as I've gotten better at mold making, I've realized you know, that's a way that I can really improve my baits. I can make it easier on myself to pour baits. I, I can make you know more molds. I can make there's so many different things I can do. You, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I mean by make it better. Is make it easier on me to make these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, make it better for the one man army to uh, yeah. do this stuff effectively and not break your back over this step or that step because it's not efficient for what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's 2022 people have started going to, you know, 3d printing molds and 3d printing masters and all that. And I think that's cool, but I still like doing it all by hand. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I work on CAD all day. I design stuff on the computer all day long. I don't want to come home and do that too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Doing this is a way I get to be a little bit artistic. And like uh, I talked to Jason Carroll last week and kind of like we talked, um, it there's a point in time where uh, handmade art, quote, art, I guess if you want to call it, but like your guys' baits, Buka's baits, uh, Roman made, uh, XYZ bait. Uh, I think there's a point in time where you making this bait by hand goes a lot further in somebody's book then i 3d printed this master mold it took me 15 minutes to do and an hour to do on cad yeah now buy it for 175 dollars a piece yeah and like with the little g the original prototype was 3d printed i drew it up and printed it never really liked it so i just 
you know, tweaked and tweaked and did it all by hand until I got it to where uh-huh. I like it. That took, that's what you know, took that bait so long. Took it over a year to get to where I like it. Yeah. But I think by doing that way, I lost the, the feel of the bait. Because as you make them, you learn, you know, all the little, because, you know, you're carving by hand, there's going to be little differences right yeah. side to left side, you know, exactly where those are. I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to explain. But yeah, when like you, you said, carve, there's kind of an art form too. It, no, exactly. Yeah. When you carve these baits, um, shit, what was I going to say? Are you carving them out of balsa or are you doing popple or what, what kind of wood do you use? Or does it not really matter, I guess, since you're, since you are just going to mold these baits? If I'm doing something with a lot of detail, I like using basswood. Okay. It's a little bit easier to work with than balsa. Yeah. Uh, if it's something that's uh, like a big G type type bait, uh, something more simple, I use PVC trim board actually. PVC trim board. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no grain to it, so you can carve it whichever okay. way you want to. Uh, oh, is no... it that white like compact? Yes. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So it it takes a few extra steps to seal in it before you can mold it, but yeah, yeah. But I really like using it. But you can't get a whole lot of really fine detail out of that. That's right. It. Yeah, it's kind of like a grittier material. Yeah. Um. So the reason that you choose basswood over balsa is it because balsa? From my experience, I used to carve pike decoys and sell them. But from my experience, balsa kind of is. Uh, it's kind of a flimsy wood. Like your knife. Like you're pushing. You're pushing yeah. with it with your knife blade, and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, half my bait's fucking gone because I just cut it in half. <laughs> Yeah, uh, basswood's a little bit easier to work with, at least yeah. to me. Stuff like poplar is easy to work with, too. Yeah, I always had uh, a heavy hand when I would make these pike decoys, and I would go a little too far on the gill plate, or I would etch the tail too <laughs> deep, and so then I'd have to correct it on the other side, and then I'd yeah. do the thing on the other side, so it was just chasing it around. And I always thought this was, I was probably like 12 or 13. And I was like, why, like, people, the pike spearing guys get a hard-on for popple decoy, or, or yeah, uh, balsa decoys. And I never understood why. I'm like, if they would have chose a different wood, it would be so much easier on the, on the carb. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just those things where it's kind of like, it gets worked into the niche and it just never, it never leaves, I guess. Yeah. Industry kind of finds one way and everyone goes yeah, with it. Yeah, now. exactly, exactly. Um, so I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but the prototype you said you were building last week, do you want to do you want to give any insight on that or how that's looking was, was last week, like just kind of sitting in the garage watching basketball carving or have you been working <laughs> on this bait for a while? Uh, no, I, it kind of just kind of came to me as weird as that sounds, but <laughs> no, I, I don't honestly, I don't think that sounds weird because. I get thoughts like that or just random shit all the time. Like uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, Hey, uh, these guys double rig, <laughs> double rig, tiny clashes and K nines. Like what the hell is stopping me from making a double rig two fifty? And then your shoulder. And, uh, I, I, I made one and I couldn't figure out the swim and I dicked around with different lengths, leaders and everything. And I said, Oh, that's what's stopping them is cause it's too fucking hard to do. <laughs> 
Yeah, two fifties. You know, that takes a lot of a lot of practice to just get one swimming right, let alone two. Yeah, I know, I know. That's why I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, two two fifties is like six ounces, and they're like a hundred bucks a piece. I was like, ah, yeah, there might be a reason people don't do this. Yeah, exactly. Like K canines yeah. aren't cheap either, but no. they they aren't six six ounces a piece. Those are like four <laughs> ounces, I think. But yeah, no, that prototype. It's just something. Laying down, I was like, hey, what if the, the big G was a glide? Oh. Mm. Yeah, that's something I could get behind. What if it was a gill glide? Yeah, I think... <laughs> I'm not going to say that the market has missed that, but I feel like bluegill glides have gotten overlooked. Uh, I could probably... Uh, well, honestly, thinking about it, the only bluegill profile glide bit i can think of is bukas that's the only um, yeah there's a couple yeah that's just that's just the only one i, those, I, mean, I think of it um i but guess where i'm at there's a ton of bluegill. yeah yeah i love i love fishing with bluegill patterns you know i throw my two favorite colors on my glide one of them's a it's a bluegill on the shad bait yeah. Yeah, I just love fishing bluegill baits. So. How how what's the difference between the big G and the baby G? Uh, big G is seven inches, half three ounces. Then the little G is only five and a half inches and one ounce. Okay, hold on, I gotta look. I must have a little G because I don't know which one I have. I. It... It must be. Hold on. Let's see. I don't remember. Okay. It it might be a big G. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that there's some golf course ponds that are in my new area that I'm living, and I'm very excited to fish this thing around there because, like, up at home, uh, I mean, there was a topwater bite, but... I couldn't even get bit on a uh, a shell cracker, so like, I was like, "Why should I fish anything else if I can't catch them on a shell cracker?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had those days too. Where it's like, I can't catch anything here. What am I doing? Just go home. That's funny. Yeah, honestly. Oh, mine's mine's number five. I don't know if it was the fifth one you did or the fifth one out of the batch. Number five. Oh, that's probably. That oh, this one might be wood. Hold on. Actually, it might be. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Because I thought you one of the, the original ones. Yeah. I think that's what that is. Hell yeah. Now that like I'm down yeah. here and there's like more consistently big fish, I think uh, wake bait wake. fishing is always something I wanted to get into. But like I said, our fish was just, our, my fish were never honed into anything like that. And, like, I, I always get jealous when I see people catching them on rats or anything. And I'm like, man, like, I wish my fish were capable of doing that sort of thing. And it just never seemed like they were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rat fishing is fun, too. So, but is there have you had any thought of making a rat or is there too many out there for you to kind of want to start that endeavor? Everyone makes one. <laughs> yeah, I, I started to try to make one. Two or three years ago, and it's just it's like, eh, it's, it's kind of a 
hey, look at me, I have one too, kind of bait. Yeah, exactly. Is, uh, really is, there style, is there a bait or a style of bait that you you kind of have seen um, people miss the mark on, whether that be, uh, I'm trying to think of a type of bait that there's not a lot of, but is, is there a type of bait where you're like, I could definitely do that a little bit better, or I have an idea that would be more efficient than that person's bait? Uh, Gantorel. I love yeah, that bait. Oh my gosh, I really like that bait too. That's probably honestly my favorite bait. <laughs> and it never gets talked about. And what I realized was the two-end shad is basically just a shad. Yeah, yeah right. I never intended to make one. It just happened to be, you know, that's, just how that's it the happened. bait I wanted. And it's like, oh, hey, wait. Yeah, <laughs> it's I exactly think... It's exactly the same uh, as one of my favorites. Right, bad. that bait, the Gantrell doesn't get a lot of love it gets kind of wrote off as a beginner bait and even i'm i'm uh responsible of doing this like i caught a shit ton of fish on it when i first started probably probably all of 100 to 200 fish on it in my first year and then oh, yeah. i got caught up in everything else and i i don't even know where my went i think i probably gave it to a buddy and then gave my other one to a buddy but i mean like those baits can take such a beating. I bounced broke both the fins were broke off mine. I left them in a Plano tackle box in the back of my truck a few for a few weeks in a hot summer, and it completely bubbled the piss out of all the plastic. Like it looked like it had tumors on it, and it still swam <laughs> fine. Like it made no sense that that bait still caught as many fish as it did. I did the same thing you're talking about. I I fished that bait for about two years, kind of ton of fish, and then I got into throwing more expensive stuff, and I. Didn't pick yep. up the Gantrail until like last year. I started fishing and I was like, "Oh, this bait really is the shit." <laughs> right. I, I want to try the the Gigatrail. That's one bait I always am like, "I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy," and then I'm like, 50 bucks." I'm like, 50 bucks. I could buy something. I could buy two S waivers, or I could buy this or that." Like, why? Why would I want to buy a Giga Gantrail? I don't even know how you say that, but Gigantrail. Gig. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I've been calling it a gigatrill for the past like <laughs> four years. And the I funny thing one. is, is other, people, other people have said that too. <laughs> I bought one at the end of last year. I didn't fish it. Dude, it's big. Yeah, it's a lot eight. bigger than. Is it eight? I, yeah, about yeah. I, I swam it a couple times, and the swim is totally different. But it's, it's really? really cool. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if anything's going to be big enough around me to really go for it, but <laughs> that's a pretty big bluegill. <laughs> yeah. Eight inch bluegill. Jeez. I didn't, I thought they were like six inches. I didn't think that they were eight. Holy yeah, no, crap. It's a, it's a big bait. Maybe I do want one then. <laughs> it's like to me, an eight inch bait isn't huge, but I look at that thing. It's like, that, thing, that thing's a chunk. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's probably cause it's so tall. Like yeah. it's probably like a pie plate. <laughs> it's not that bad, but yeah, it's it's, it's up there, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that any general questions I have for you. Uh, do you do you remember who bought your first bait? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, my, yeah. My dad bought me a bullshad, six inch bullshad. Okay. What about I still have who? It. Who bought your like your first bait? Oh in, my! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. It was a guy I worked with on my internship. He heard I was doing it, and his son somehow heard about swim baiting. This was 
2016, I think, on a summer internship. And I made him one and sold it to him. It was one of the, the OG two-inch ads. Okay. Uh, so it had the big mohawk on it like the, the originals did. I still have the 40 bucks he gave me here in the desk drawer. That's <laughs> so, yeah, so like, that's like your... That's like your first dollar made framed up on the wall, like all these gas stations and stuff do. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. D- has he, did he ever catch any fish on it or ever send you pictures of it or anything? No, he never did. Would never send me anything. I don't know if he ever caught anything on it. Huh. So you started, you said you started making baits 2013. Yeah. Did, uh, did you have, did you have a name or was it just, just, just no. bait your baits. Is that all it was? Yeah, I was just messing around in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when to that guy, back then. I was about to say, when that guy bought it in 2016, you probably didn't have a pack. You, you probably put it in like a Ziploc bag or something. And it's like, yeah, here's my bait. Like it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, Cooper Baits much. or anything then, was it? No, no. Cooper uh, Baits started kind of shortly after that. So. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's. From there, I kind of had developed my own packaging. I still do that, you know, print it all off on my printer. And yeah, I was about to say that's one thing that uh, a lot of guys, a lot of smaller bait makers, kind of not going to say overlook, but they miss the mark there. They just uh, throw it in a priority mailbox wrapped in paper towel and send it your way. Like the fact that you go that little extra mile, check what bait it is, check. Uh, do you have the paint job and the sink rate on it too, or is it just the sink rate? Uh, on the back or of my box, you... yeah, I got length, weight, color, and then the serial number on the back of the box. Yeah, that's what I thought. Now, your serial number, do you have that typed in the computer with anything, or is that just so you know what batch it came from? Yeah, I keep a spreadsheet of every bait I've ever made with the Holy serial number shit. on it. So I know, you know what batch came from where. So yeah, it's never happened. But if there was ever an issue with a batch, maybe I had a couple of people let me know. I could reach back out to the other ten or fifteen people that bought baits. But hey, this might be an issue. Let me know if it happens. Yeah. Do you so, have offhand how many baits that you've made? Uh, no. I added it up sometime last year. I think it's four hundred something. Jeez, that's crazy. There's you know. I don't know how many hundreds of prototypes that never got right. realized. <laughs> your, box, your box that you have full of yep. shit. <laughs> um, is there a point in time that uh, you'll ever kind of expand? Like, say say this Murray, Murray Cod deal goes really good for you, and this guy's ordering 20 baits a month. Would that justify you expanding to find like a weekend helper, even if it's like your dad coming in to help you pour molds or anything like, do you, do you see that in the near future at all? Or do you think you're going to kind of keep it low key until something big happens and you're like, okay, like I know I made it. I know I can, I can do this myself, but I, I'm not going to break my back and I'm going to reach out to somebody to help me. Uh, so I did a show, uh, a local uh, fishing expo. And made 150 baits for it. And uh-huh. that kind of proved to me that, hey, I can make quite a few baits a month if I need to. Right. When, that, when that need starts to arise, I can do it. Yeah. You know, I can make 40 or 50 a month and still be comfortable and still live my life and not 
just be in the garage all the time <laughs> when I get off work. Yeah. Now. So I think I until mean, we get to that point, I'm not too worried about it. It's all stuff I can right. handle. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you got to think 40 or 50 baits a month, you're making at least 10 baits a week. I mean, yeah, that, that's a good amount of baits. And that's like, like you said, as long as it's something that's not going to keep you locked up in the shop and like be able to actually go out and enjoy your life outside of bait building. Like, I think that's pretty badass. Yeah. Like I try to, I try to be done out there by like six, six thirty, and then come in and spend time with my wife. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love her too. <laughs> I want to spend time yeah, with her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so no, that's sweet that you have, uh, that you not only have this process down, but that you're still, you're still innovating on it, whether that be X, Y, or Z to make it more efficient for, not only you but the whole family like that i think that that proves that you're you're definitely an engineer and that you're always looking to make it a little bit easier on yourself and everybody that's incorporated into cooper baits yeah yeah it's I'm always trying to keep it you know within my means what right. i can do but is is there anything else you want to add or anything else you want to touch on uh, now there's not a whole lot left about you know really Cooper Bates, right? Uh, you know, like I, yeah, like I said, I'll I'll link your uh your Instagram and Facebook page. Do you have a Do you have a YouTube channel that you have like swim videos and stuff on, or is that all on the Facebook and YouTube or Facebook and Instagram? Yeah, there's a YouTube channel too. I think it's just okay. Cooper Bates. Uh, there's a link to every single swim video on the the each Bates page. Oh, like to the site? Yeah, if you go to like you know the Minor Glides oh, web webpage, it'll have a link to Damn, different okay. videos and reviews from different people. Damn. Okay, I will. I'll definitely link the uh, the site, the Facebook, and the the Instagram in the description for this though. And then uh, I'll I'll talk to the man and I'll, I'll share it on the Swimbait Universe and stuff, and we'll, we'll cool, spread man. the word to Cooper Bates a little bit more. You know, this is it's all just kind of been a dream. So you know, I've been been bass fishing since I got hold of rod. <laughs> right, yeah, and I mean yeah. that's like you're. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as far as you, and as far as like the whole podcast thing. Like, I enjoy fishing, and it's like, what can I, what can I do during winter or on nights I can't go fish, but still keep me relative to the thing I like doing. And for me, it was having people like you on, or just even me, just spewing shit out of my mouth about swim bait fishing and for you obviously it's going into the garage and laying paint down or pouring molds or carving away on a block i mean it just it just kind of shows that it's no matter what we're still kind of connected to uh, this thing that we enjoy doing yeah i mean you know and all the bait making all that's fun but it doesn't really beat being out in the water like yeah exactly that's like I knew I knew that you were you were gonna be out today until a little bit later, and I, it was kind of raining, and I was like, ah, fuck! Like, what am I gonna do? So I ended up going fishing for a little bit. I mean, it was it was raining and stuff, and I had two two fish come up and follow. But I mean, I still got to be out there, so I can't complain. It beats sitting in the office all day or oh yeah, in my maintenance <laughs> lobby. And I, I that's what I thought about the whole day. Like, okay, so Jake's not gonna be able to come on until a little bit later. Like, do I stay? Do I stay home and? bullshit around or do i go be miserable but have a chance of catching a fish or at least having fun uh for a couple hours before jake's ready to talk <clears throat> yeah i mean but, it's 
there's nothing that beats it. Like I've no, been fishing no. with my dad since so I don't know, like maybe two, three years old. And to this day that's still my favorite thing to do. Just go fish with my dad. Yeah. yeah. We got it's, into uh, swim baits together and just grew together. <laughs> one last one last question for you. Is yeah. your dad's favorite bait the two and two or what 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 what's his favorite bait out of your lineup? Uh I think it's uh the big G. I had to guess. Yeah. He likes the the all black big G. Yeah, those all black ones are slick. Yeah. That's been his his go to. <laughs> what do you do see? Like I said, fishing with? I got this I got this I wanna say it's the baby G sitting in front of me and I'm I'm very excited to have an opportunity this year to fish it more than I was and kind of have an opportunity of catching fish with it rather than just blind casting because I want to up at home. Like I know I'll catch a fish with it down here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel that like wife and I, we bought a boat last year. Uh I mean, that just opened up so much more to fishing, you know, rather than just going out and being the bank. You know, we can take the boat out on a random Thursday night on the local lakes and yeah, fish stuff that I never could before. Yeah, that's uh, that makes it a lot more, a lot more fun. Kind of opens, like you said, opens up a realm of things that wasn't necessarily uh, available to you beforehand. Oh yeah. But if there if there's nothing else that you can think of off the top of your head, then I think we'll wrap it up and uh, I'll get this edited so I can post it up for tomorrow morning. All right, sounds good, man. I appreciate. I want to, as I say, I want to give a huge thank you to Jake for taking time out of his night and coming on and talking not only just the bait builder side of things, but kind of how Cooper Bates is ran and how how it's been a definitely an uphill battle for him for the last five six years on uh, on bait making and kind of showing that it's not an overnight process at all. And like I said, I will link everything in the description below on all the platforms. I don't even know if you can press it on like Apple and Google Podcasts, but I know you can for sure on Spotify. But uh, like I said, make sure that you guys give the podcast a five star, uh, five star review if you guys like it. Leave leave some comments, positive or negative, it's whatever. Uh, make sure you follow me on Instagram. It is uh, what is it even? I think it's like uh, scales and tails underscore podcast. Like I said, make sure you guys follow Jake too, which is Cooper Bates, which is B8S underscore Swim Bates. Like I said, I'll link all his stuff in the description below. Uh, I want to give Jake a huge thank you for coming on and talking. It was very nice to be the first bait bait builder on the show. And um, I'm excited to talk to you probably in like the next year or so and see if anything's changed from this this day that we talked right now. Yeah, thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate it. This podcast is great. You do a great job. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it. It means a lot. (laughs) But uh, I want to thank you guys for listening, and I will talk to everybody next time.